0: In the summer of 1994, the camp at which I was working burned to the ground. One minute we were in the lodge, ignoring the fire alarm we all just assumed was a drill. The next, we were out on the lawn, running buckets of water up from the lake and watching our camp turn to ashes. The hole into which it all collapsed, smoldered for days, and I remember thinking at the time how quickly it had all happened. One moment it was business as usual, the next moment there was fire in the walls, and then with nothing left to burn, it was gone, burned out with nothing but an empty place where once our entire world had stood. A couple of weeks ago, I discussed the emptiness of burnout in an episode called Embrace the Empty. Before that, in episode 36, I touched on the troubling idea that there are sometimes moments in the creative life... When we realize we no longer love the thing we do in the way we once did. Both episodes prompted me to ask myself, what do you do when you wake to find the fire that until just recently was unquenchable and consumed whatever fuel you could give it has burned down to embers? What do you do when the passion fades? And perhaps more importantly, how do you keep the fire burning? And can it be reignited when it does fade? I'm David Dushman, and this is episode 40 of A Beautiful Anarchy, my mostly weekly podcast about the joys and obstacles of everyday creativity. Let's talk about it. As a metaphor, fire gives us plenty to work with in the creative life. Fire represents passion. Illumination, comfort, and purification also immediately come to mind. And to be honest with you, I'm struggling a little with the paralysis of choice here. I could take this episode in so many directions. But perhaps the one quality of fire that is most intriguing to me is the way it transforms the thing it consumes into something more. Fire is a release of all those molecules locked away in a piece of wood. The hotter it gets, the more those molecules vibrate until they become volatile gases mixed with oxygen and create the heat that keeps feeding the fire. A block of wood or some other fuel gets transformed into heat and light. I've been thinking a lot recently about the idea of transformation. I've long believed that not only do we make our art, but our art makes us. That, the creative process, is one of transformation, and not just making new stuff was, in some ways, the subject of the last episode. It was meant to be about originality, but ultimately it kind of ended up revolving around the idea that we all have access to the same raw materials. It is how we transform them that matters, and how authentically we do so that makes our work original. And that's where losing the fire becomes not just a puzzle to be solved, but a real problem. For the artist who loses the passion, who allows the fire to die down, the work comes to a halt, the transformations slow, and we find ourselves smoldering. Fire needs three things to keep burning, or to burn at all. It needs oxygen, heat, and fuel. Remove any one of those and the fire dies. I've thought for weeks now about how to best represent those three things in this metaphor, hoping they would all parse themselves out into three tidy ideas about keeping our creative passions burning or reigniting them when they grow cold. Here's where I've landed. The fuel is an easy one. We need to feed the fire constantly if we are to keep it burning. Creatively, that means never getting lazy with the ingestion of new ideas. And not just more ideas, New ideas, ideas that are different, even divergent. The quality of our ideas matters. New books, new music, new conversations with people that are both within and without your particular area of interest. Where would the Impressionists have been without the influence of Japanese art, or Cubism without the African influence? Where would rock and roll be without boogie woogie, jazz, and the blues? Rothko acknowledged Matisse as a key influence, Gauguin inspired Van Gogh, and how many novelists have been reading the paper or sitting at a dinner party when a story so grabbed them that it inspired their next work? If it's been a while since you felt the spark of some new idea, perhaps it's time you found influences about which you are more curious. Could it be you've been feeding in the same place for too long and need to find something to disrupt that familiarity? Something to bring your curiosity back to life. That only really happens in proximity to the unknown and the unfamiliar. If you're a photographer, it might be time to stop looking at the same familiar influences. When's the last time you dug into an art tradition that was wildly different from your own? What do you know about Japanese cinema or African dance? I love photographing in East Africa, but if my own spark died down and I needed to challenge my curiosity to work a little harder, it wouldn't be to other photographs of Kenya or Ethiopia that I looked. I would begin wondering what art from those places has looked like for the last couple hundred years. What color palettes are present? What themes and ideas? What rhythms in the music, perhaps? What traditions in visual art are there to be explored? what ideas might come from getting my senses engaged by the unfamiliar. It's easy to get so focused on the things we make that we forget to fuel the fire of the imagination, and before long, those flames generate very little light or heat. Curiosity can be honed and encouraged. It can be given a much longer leash, and the more it is encouraged to go to places we are unfamiliar with or even intimidated by, the greater the chance it will bring something back that is just the piece we needed to spark new ideas and create new connections. Steve Jobs is only one of the many creative people that acknowledged that creativity is fundamentally about connecting dots and in new ways and to call out the importance of collecting more dots from different sources. Here's what Steve had to say about this. He said, creativity is just connecting things When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. And the reason they were able to do that was that they've had more experiences or they have thought more about their experiences than other people. Unfortunately, that's too rare a commodity. A lot of people in our industry haven't had very diverse experiences, so they don't have enough dots to connect, and they end up with very linear solutions without a broad perspective on the problem. The broader one's understanding of the human experience, the better design we will have. If you're finding the flames dying down a little, it might be time to go looking for dots. Put the camera down for a while, step away from the keyboard or the canvas, put the clay down. Go find some dots. Get more fuel. There's no shame in taking a break. Four weeks ago, I sent out a letter to almost 100,000 photographers, as I do every couple of weeks, and I told them I hadn't picked my camera up for close to six months. I told them I hadn't made a single photograph, and the emails I got in response to that letter were like a collective sigh of relief. The kind of breathing out you do when you've been holding your breath a little too long it was as if so many of them had, like me, let their cameras sit idle, and they were hoping no one found out, and they were worried the fire had died. The thing about a good fire is that the embers can burn a long time with no flames. They can sit under the ashes and wait it out and still have plenty of heat to ignite the next log the moment it comes along, And I'm wondering where we all got this feeling, like we owe our craft or our art some deeper obligation that we've got to keep the flame lit 24-7. Is it possible that you've got a deeper fire, and while you're worried you're not excited about picking up the brush or the camera right now, the desire to create is still there and will ignite new fuels the moment they're present? Why can't we have multiple fires? I think we can, all of them burning at different levels. I'll be honest with you, my deeper passions have nothing to do with the camera. My hottest embers are the desire just to create, to discover, and right now, that happens mostly through writing. There is nothing lost at all to me when I put one tool down to pick up another. Different flames, but the same embers. And sure, sometimes everything's on fire and I'm making good work photographically and I'm writing and I'm teaching and it feels like there are many flames in every direction. But there are also other times when there's not a flame to be seen and I'm okay with that, especially as my own creative rhythms demand that I take regular periods to stop blowing on the flames and instead to go gather wood. I wonder how many of you need to stop freaking out about the fire going out and instead take some time to gather some fuel, knowing the embers aren't so fragile that they will burn down the moment you turn your back, nor are they so precious you can't just reignite them when you need to. The second thing fire needs is heat, which seemed odd at first to me because I thought fire was the thing that caused the heat in the first place, but of course there has to be some initial spark to kick things off. And this is important because there are going to be times when the fire goes out entirely and you wake up one day and it's just not there. Nothing but a cold, smoldering absence. I'm not sure it's such a big deal. As long as you know that to light the fire again, all you've got to do is bring the heat. I learned something new when I write every episode of A Beautiful Anarchy. It's the result of my own quest for more dots to connect and more fuel to burn. Here's something I just learned, and don't think for a moment I didn't do a happy dance when I saw the implied metaphor here. In the 1600s, the word focus meant fireplace. Not symbolically either. Focus is Latin for fireplace. It then came to mean the point at which rays of light, heat, or other radiation meet after being refracted or reflected. Did you ever start a fire with a magnifying glass? To do so, you had to get the beam of light on the wood or piece of paper at just the right point, the point where the light was at its most focused. And when you did that, it wasn't long before a dark spot appeared and then spread on the paper, finally igniting, add a little more fuel, blow on it to give it more oxygen, and the fire is back. Is it true, I wonder, that a loss of focus can allow the heat to dissipate and finally kill the fire? I think it is. I think when we give things less attention, stop actively exploring them, stop finding new ideas or techniques by which we are fascinated, and they stop engaging our imaginations, we get bored and passion dies in the wake of that boredom. When we allow entropy to take over, it's inevitable that our passion for something just gets so diluted that it's hard to find. But it is equally true that this is also the path back to that passion, back to being fascinated again, to dreaming up new ideas and taking on new challenges again. It's about focus. Like fuel and oxygen, focus is a resource and more than ever, it is being demanded by other things. Life is complicated and messy and very few of us can be so single-minded all the time that we can only pay attention to our creative work nor I think would it be healthy if we could. But when the time comes to rekindle the flame, focus the beam, gather the fuel, put it in one place, and light the spark. There's probably a whole episode in the idea of focus. When we focus on a task or an idea that challenges us, and here's where I start taking liberties with my metaphor, there is a friction created When we push up against the unfamiliar and we explore new techniques and force our skills and thinking to jump tracks, we are asking our brain to fire different synapses, to spark in new ways. It can't happen when we're bored. It can't happen when we're not being challenged. The same old, same old doesn't demand our attention, and it rarely causes sparks. Could it be our loss of passion when the fire dies down is because we've stopped generating sparks on our own? Could it be the connections we're making between the dots we've collected no longer fascinate us because they're too obvious, too easy? And could it be that it's okay that this happens once in a while? I suspect it's not only okay, but natural. And I wonder, have we been tricked into thinking that a life of everyday creativity should be one hot, blazing fire of passion? And that anything else signals a defect on our part, a lack of genius or a lack of commitment. You're not alone if the fire dies down for you once in a while. The world longs for intensity, but it can't be all bonfires all the time. It's not sustainable. Some people will be a long, slow burn. Some will be bonfires once a month and embers, the rest. What matters is that when you burn hot, You do so with everything you've got, in the way that you alone can burn, and that you understand how to keep yourself fueled and light the fire again when life gets in the way and you turn your back on the flames a little longer than you meant to. I think what's important is that we learn to create our own sparks, that we understand how important focus and challenge can be. And it's probably helpful to remember that we are always changing, that the fire within us is constantly transforming us, and what once sparked the biggest flames for you might no longer do so. And that's okay. Something will, but not if you're looking in the same places and trying to reignite the fuels that you've already burned to ashes. We need new fuels, not just more, new focus, new friction. But fire also needs oxygen, and though I've been a little uncertain about where that fits in this analogy, I think I've just figured it out. It's work. That's where the oxygen comes from, and no one who thinks blowing on a fire isn't work has ever had to do so. You've got to get down on your knees, get smoke in your eyes, and blow until you get lightheaded and dizzy. Or to put it more literally, you've got to pick up the paintbrush, the guitar, the camera, or whatever your tool happens to be and get to work. Ideas are nothing until they are bashed into shape, honed and proven by our work, often in several iterations and only after some initially ugly efforts that make us want to give up entirely until suddenly the pieces do fall into place and the fire catches and burns the oxygen so hard it practically pulls it from our lungs. The fire of our creative efforts is an astonishing joy. When it is burning hot, there are very few feelings like it. And if we don't get too hung up by the metaphor, it's not unlike flow. It probably is flow. Flow needs the same things to exist, focus, and challenge. Those are things we alone can provide. I love the light and heat produced by a good fire, but a fire is not a passive thing. It's not all kumbaya and charred marshmallows it still needs us to tend it, to feed it, and once in a while to blow like hell on the embers. You're not the only one who has become distracted by other things and the demands of life, only to realize the embers have grown cold now and then. Maybe it's time to build your fire in a different fireplace, to shift your focus. Maybe it's time just to sweep out the old ashes and build a different kind of fire or experiment with a different fuel. When that time comes, don't wait for the muse to show up with her Zippo lighter and a can of gasoline. Go find some interesting fuel, create some sparks, and blow like hell. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you want more of this kind of thing to see your everyday creativity fueled, I wrote my two last books for you. Start Ugly, The Unexpected Path to Everyday Creativity, and The Problem with Muses, Notes on Everyday Creativity can both be found in all the usual places like Amazon or through the links at startuglybook.com, and I would be honored if you would consider letting them help keep your fire burning. If you're only just discovering A Beautiful Anarchy, I post new episodes three out of every four weeks, but there's no reason you need to take a break on those fourth weeks, so I would like to send you a monthly issue of On The Make, which is basically an email episode of A Beautiful Anarchy, and you can get it by going to startuglybook.com. Scrolling to the bottom and telling me where to send it. At the same time, I'll also send you a copy of my ebook, Escape Your Creative Rut Five Ways to Get Your Groove Back. And once a month, I'll draw the name of one reader to whom I'll send a signed copy of one of my books. Thank you so much for being part of this. If you'd like to get in touch with me with feedback, questions, or ideas you'd like to see explored in a future episode, I would love to hear from you. And you can email me at talkback at Until next time, Go make something beautiful.